0: Are you a leader in customer success, pre-sales, professional services, support? Do you work behind the scenes and roll up your sleeves to make sure that customers are happy? Renew. Then this is for you. Welcome to the GSD Podcast. Welcome to the GSD Podcast. Getting it done. Services, success, and software. We'll talk with the pros that have been in the trenches. Getting service teams off the ground. Launching new types of groups to service customers. Or running agencies that don't have a product attached to it. For the pros, by the pros. This is, this is the GSD, GSD Podcast. Podcast. And this is your, your host, host, Jeff Kush- Kushmerick.
1: All right, everyone, welcome back. Uh, this is Jeff, and I, I had a few weeks off from the podcast because I had uh, switched jobs, um, which we actually get into a lot. Uh, we kind of, Andrew and I, uh, Andrew Fink, who's a good friend of mine, we were kind of buddies in arms over the last few months talking about different places we were getting asked to go interview. Um, do we want to go in certain directions? Um and, you know, when we talked about this post-show, uh, I don't think we, we weren't sure if each other wanted to talk about this during during the interview, but it was basically, or during the podcast, but it was basically, uh, sometimes when you take a position and you are where we are in our careers, there is this other thought of, well, if this doesn't work out, how does this position set me up for the next position, um, so in the end of the day is if you can do good work, you can do good work and people will recognize that. But we did get into a, a lot of really interesting concepts because Andrew and I kind of worked at some of the same places that we've had similar guests on the show, like Acquia and some other places, DECA, uh, we, we kind of took a little bit of a right turn and, um, and really focused on the sort of career change aspect for this episode. Uh, so, you know, in terms of the gap, I, I had, a, a Couple of weeks off, where I um, was was focusing on the family and wrapping things up in my previous job, and getting ramped up on the new one, which is great. Um, so anybody who's interested in that, I'll happy to to expand on that later. But uh, sit back and enjoy. Andrew's a, an amazing guy. Uh, I think I mentioned this during the during the conversation. But when Andrew came aboard, I was just super impressed with him. Uh, he was sort of is what I envisioned a lot of consultants to be. And uh, really, really learned a lot. Uh, very even keeled, but open and honest guy. So I uh, hope you really enjoy it. And uh, we'll uh, chat later. I think, hold on one second. I hit record. Here we go. Okay, Andrew, you can hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you uh so joining me today is andrew fink a a long 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 time friend of mine um yet another indec alumni but the great thing about NDECA, it's like it's like going to college and then everybody else goes somewhere else afterwards right and uh so there's just so many people that have different experiences um and I, the other note i was going to tell people to kick this off is if we don't cover too much personal stuff is because Andrew and I went to go meet at the Marriott and go record this in this really cool location. And they were playing some smooth jazz, which, which would have been in the background the whole time. So we just decided to go eat food for an hour and a half and shoot the shit about everything, including some OCD fitness and nutrition stuff and, uh, kids college, which made sweat bullets immediately start coming out of my head and stuff like that. So, uh, so welcome, Andrew.
2: Thank you very much, Jeff.
1: Yeah. Here. You know, I, I, I don't know if I've, I've said this to you before in person, but I just remembered when you were hired and, um, or the first time we met, I felt like it was the first time I had met like a real consultant at Indeca. Like, I was like, who's this guy? It was, you know, Andrew comes walking in tan with the slick back hair and the, you know, mm-hmm. look you right in the eye and give you a good handshake and just super knowledgeable about like, you know, how to actually talk to customers and, and be a good consultant and everything like that. So, um, you know, that's when I was like, well, we're stepping up our level here. <laughs> so. Great perspective.
2: It's funny growing up, uh, growing up with German parents that, that sort of hard handshake and looking in the eye
1: was, uh, kind of ingrained, ingrained in me. Just try it again. You know, whip yeah, with the ruler. <laughs> it's too funny. So, you know, speaking of like, come come walking into Indeco, which at that time was I don't know. Let's see what we're talking. Uh, Two thousand six. So we started. You know, getting some good traction and everything, but still was had a lot to learn in terms of like being a real company. For you to come walking in with some of that presence um, and that been there before, but not cocky. I just want to just be clear about that. Um, uh, walk me through the background that got you there
2: uh, great Th- thanks Jeff um, so uh, you know I actually uh, spent right before that I spent five years at uh, MetLife so a very different world for me after spending a good chunk of my career doing pure consulting with deploying CRM ERP sort of yep. large-scale stuff um, I I kind of went to the dark side and joined MetLife as um, a guy that ran a couple of divisions mm-hmm. um, first in Boston and, and moved out to, to Jersey with, with my life, they actually moved, moved the family. So um, very different world where you're managing a P um, and L you know, I always joke with folks that my job was to basically manage a team uh, plan a budget. And then for the next nine months, explain why the budget was off. So you literally, <laughs> it was, it was literally a budget exercise and you know, it had lots of customers yeah. on the business side of the world, but it was just a different world. And so, um, I end up spending five years at Met, but realized that in order, um, you know, it's not an organization that you wanna you wanna spend a long time in your career. But just ultimately, because I felt like the, the, the people that got promoted there were the ones that kind of came in, headed under the desk, and never really tried to implement change. Oh yeah. Um, everyone just sort of focused on their neighborhood. No one really wanted to focus on other neighborhoods, and it was really difficult in my role to, to deploy technology across uh, across multiple groups. So yeah. I end up I end up coming into Indeca. Uh, in kind of a smaller role than I probably was anticipating, and I was I was running, I was running um, York, a region. Right? I was running a region, yeah. yeah. So um, you know that was my MetLife was my first experience. where we're sort of having to really look for um, a gig that was in a completely different arena for me, for mm-hmm. from consulting and large scale to software.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that, that message just, I mean, going from MetLife, which is huge and process heavy and everything else like that, coming into a decade, that message has just been kind of a big shock for where we were at the time, so.
2: Oh, for sure. And you know, working with some interesting personalities in New York um, that you know, it, it, was, it, was, it was a real good um, entree into, into the services world of software.
1: Yeah, and you, you were in federal too, right? You were dealing with all those guys. Like, I just totally forgot about that whole thing. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, we had a federal was, practice.
2: <laughs> it initially, it was it was it was the regional um, world, and then I think late in the late in the in the game for me, before right right when Oracle was about to acquire, um, it became oh, okay. a federal practice with, with Jeff Murphy because we end up um, having to focus on that a little bit with the new with the new sort of twist in the technology.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, and that—that's a foreign world to me. I—I—I I, I only dabbled in that a little bit, and we did a little bit more of the public sector stuff when I was there. But I do remember interviewing one guy, who was coming in to be sort of a consultant role, and uh, I was like, "Oh, so what's the toughest?" <laughs> he'd been doing—he'd been working for one of our security clearance customers, and uh, and I was—and he wanted to work for us. I'm like, "Oh, so." That's great. What, 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 what's the toughest thing you've bumped in so far? And he's like, well, somebody came in from the field with a bullet through their hard drive and I had to get all the data off of that. I was like, Oh my God. That's funny.
2: <laughs> yeah. We actually, uh, I interviewed a guy who his he was working at, at Gitmo in Cuba. So oh, he was God. commuting to Guantanamo Bay and was part of the team on the analytics side that would interview, um, interview folks and and have are you kidding interview. me i never um,
1: knew oh my god
2: uh, <laughs> yeah it was really cool so he would only be able to fly back to miami every i don't know a few months uh we were trying to get him at on a um on a team but he didn't want to leave his little cushy job at, at uh, guantanamo bay
1: Oh my god, that's crazy! So talk to me, and, and you know, we, we chat a little bit beforehand because this next thing is something that like I've never done, which is funny because we'll talk about the whole um, utility player thing a little bit after this. But um, talk to me about the transition to real decoy. Which I'm gonna be jealous. I, I always wanted you guys to hire me, but you guys never would. But um, uh. I'm just. Kidding. <laughs> It's like that seems like such a cool thing, but no, I was at Brightcom. Don't worry about it. I was totally <laughs> <laughs> um, But in the sorry if it sounds like massive thunder, I think somebody is pulling a, a sofa upstairs. As the pearls working at home. Um, but uh, uh, the the I'm I, you know early in the morning can't come up with the industry classifications. But I'm working at a professional services company that is specializing in installing another company's software. Um, which to me I've always tried to line those up with my companies because it seems like you're just getting leads passed over to you left and right and you just kind of you know do what you said which is put your budget out there hire some people and, and make it happen right so that's right so
2: yeah. what was interesting so you know and, and that gets get bought by Oracle decide not it's not the right move for me to to jump into that big company yeah but i knew that oracle in, in the broadest sense, is a software company, not really a services company, so yep. they partner, right? Yeah uh, real Real Decoy had invested, I don't know fifty or sixty folks just focused on deploying commerce and and some of the other technologies within Deca. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to the one of the founders, um, Richard Isaac, and we talked about, hey, you've got a great practice in Canada. You've got some some folks in Jamaica. You know, oh. what if i what if I join and and build out the u s and and your UK practice? Again, with the focus being let's grab a lot of these customers that we were that, that we had at and that yeah. probably don't want to work directly with Oracle. In some cases, they can't, um, and let's, let's build a practice on that. And so we actually came to an agreement. I oh, consulted for true. a couple of months and then um, started started hiring folks in the U.S. and and we got you know we got American Express.
1: Oh wow! Yeah, um,
2: yeah we got some really big brands, right? So Home Depot. Uh, a couple of car guys, the auto yep. um, auto parts guys, yep. uh, brought in some really great, great. Um, I guess call them the next stage in leadership. So Jim Richmond, David Worth, Oh David yeah, Hainan in Europe, yep. um, Sean Smith. We had a really good, great team. We scaled it to probably I don't know, sixteen or seventeen people over the yep. course of three or four years. Had a few million in revenue, and it was it was going well until I think what what naturally happens in this world when uh, at some point Oracle will take a technology and it just becomes part of their new world and it no longer you no longer have that you're no longer differentiated from the other consulting companies you're just another one in the list so no longer were were we getting the calls from the sales folks directly yeah it was more like hey put your name in the hat
1: we may call you oh god so i actually i didn't before we finish on that i didn't realize they had their own sort of Retail practice before that. How- yeah,
2: there, there was about fifty folks, but all in Canada. They had a large focus on federal in the in, in Canada as well. Okay, uh, their Department of Defense, and so we ended up also diving into federal um, in the UK and the US, trying to get into that market. And and that was the other technology from Indeco. so it wasn't commerce. Yeah, it was more the the BI. So you know, we kind of went into two places, and it was it was great. You know, we had to we had to build infrastructure to you know all the process to support a new consulting company, but Leveraged the Oracle environment sales folks to, to help us close deals and then our relationships with with our customers from a So it was a really it was a great a great way for me to understand and learn on how to build a, a Consulting company. Yeah, not, not necessarily from scratch because we weren't funding ourselves, yeah, little, but really
1: a a, yeah a little bit of a cushion so it was
2: it was great and and you know it it, it is also uh, it was eye-opening in how difficult it is to scale in uh, a sole proprietary where, you know, sort of a one or two investors, no outside yep. investment. You yep. couldn't scale the same way. And at some point, I think we started running into a wall financially.
1: Actually, and that's that's I'm glad you started talking about that because I was going to ask you, so what was it? It sounds like a great gig. And you know, I was wondering what the, the, everybody's got pains and difficulties. Is That's sort of what it was. It was just having being bootstrapped and kind of yeah. dependent on services dollars in and services dollars out. Yeah, well, and,
2: and the mothership, right? So we were so reliant on Oracle and as soon as they started turning their eyes away from us, you know, things started to dry up. And so you can only go go back to your customers so many times before you gotta find new, you know, new customers. And yeah. I, th- I think that was a challenge. And and I, a few of us started seeing the writing on the wall when when you know it became commerce for for Oracle no longer in DECA and ATG, right? So then all right. of a sudden we're playing against the large ATG players. Uh, same with the other analytics, and it became more big data, and so I think we we realized at some point we weren't going to be different, and and we were too small to be playing against some of these folks, and so that's where a bunch of us decided, you know, working back with the founder, we decided it was it made more sense to to sort of go go out go back outside and, and yeah. start something new. And that's where I ended up landing. Uh, are
1: they are they still around? Or?
2: they are? But they're small. Canada and Jamaica. That's really it
1: yeah uh Jamaican market you know it's uh
2: well it this, that
1: was their offshore <laughs> Sorry,
2: I'm, yeah I'm the worst <laughs> Kingston, Jamaica was their offshore, and you talk about a war zone oh uh, not not a good place
1: to visit so can we get into the offshore thing a little bit because I didn't sure. realize you had touched that, and you know I do a lot of that um, Yeah. I did not know, so Jamaica what's the quality in, in like standard of work that you're used to from those resources? Uh,
2: yeah. Well, just uh, to put in perspective. Just answer the question. <laughs> yeah. They, they drive to work and, and, you know, they can smoke pot on their way there. So it's a very different environment. Um, yeah. You know, whereas I, when I had, when I when I Met Life That's I had, called I was, being a
1: millennial, Andrew. It is, yeah, I know. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs>
2: when when I was at MetLife, we had I don't know sixty folks offshore in India and you know with Cognizant yeah. and Potney and yeah. Um and and, the, and you know you could you could you come to a certain standard in terms of how you operate there. It was difficult in in Kingston, I think just because in Jamaica, just because it's a very different uh, personality. But a lot of these guys had really good tech degrees. You know, I think there was a subset that worked hard, but we where, where a few of us really had a hard time is you know, there wasn't that commitment to go over and above when you needed to get, get stuff done.
1: Yeah. Were you, um, and I'm sorry to keep focusing on, on Real Decoy, but I, I, in my opinion, or sort of, you know, since all the times we talked, this is the job that you had where you had to focus a little bit more on sales. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. yeah. So as, a, as the GM. You, feel like you were wearing a bag? Like yeah. yeah. There, there was a lot of that. And, you know, and the good news, I had a couple of guys who were good at selling. Yeah. But, yeah, it was, it was uh, sales and delivery. You know, in, in the earliest sense of customer success for me, in the sense it was, you know, it was coming up with a plan to deal with our existing customers and upselling and cross selling. Yeah. You know, we couldn't lose brands. We had to keep American Express and some other ones happy yeah. um, and then also, you know, continue to grow. So it was it was definitely sales and delivery together as the GM.
1: Did you enjoy selling? Like, did you feel like a slimy sales guy or did you or did you have people underneath you? Were you actually out like pitching and trying to win the business and things like that? Um, so it was a little of both, <laughs> um, but I've never I never felt like we had um, we had a couple folks
2: that were a little on the slimy side in terms of sales approach. Um, yeah. You know, whereas I feel like some of the folks on the on the US and the UK team, like Mickey in the UK, was, oh, yeah. was fabulous. It was yeah. fabulous, right? So yeah. um, you, you came in with a different perspective. It's it's how do we get additional functions to other use cases, other groups. Right. Um, versus, you know, trying to sell, you know, smoke and mirrors or whatever. But yeah, and we had a couple of strong sales folks in in Richard Isaac, the one oh, of the lead. Yeah. So yeah, so that's I, I think it was kind of a combo. But it, we never approached it as pure sales. It was more, um, you know, extensions.
1: Right, and you're in. You know, I was just talking about this with, with John yesterday, but like, um, you should feel like you're trying to help them. Like you're you right. trying to help your organization, not like. Yeah. Let's, let's find the easiest way to get you guys to buy something so we can, you know, just go make some more money. So that, that's, that's right. right. So interesting, like Acquia is there. I kind of want to approach the the Acquia and the Select stuff kind of um, after we talk about Real Decoy and what you did in Deca, This concept we were talking about, you called it being the Brockholt of uh, professional services, which I wear that hat as well, too. Um, where Do you feel... It was when Acquia happened, or it was more in ADECA or beforehand, where you were just sort of getting lots of different professional services experiences, um but not staying on one path and becoming like, "Oh, I am the master of ops or things like that
2: that's right well ADECA had three or four roles, and then then you know you had real decoy in there as a a new version of supporting adeca, and then obviously a completely different thing when I joined ACQUIA in this technical account management group, so yeah. you know i I just felt like. It's for me, it's about leading a team, you know building supporting processes and and, and ultimately, I think for you and I we've been um, really dr- leading customer engagement right. right for so long that it was really around how do we support and grow enterprise customers, right regardless of what role what it, it is
1: it. yeah <laughs> Sorry. because uh-huh. at indeca you know I keep telling people they didn't have a you know, Air quote here, customer success or account yeah. management for a long time. It was us. It was in services, and as people, if they wasn't talked before, um, you know, you couldn't implement that software without professional services. It just was not something that you could do. It was just very technical and um, hard to do. So that's right. That's you right. Know, that's not the sales stuff, but <laughs> like what? It's super hard to install this stuff. I'm like, yeah, but it works really good. So yeah. You know, <laughs> Well, what, was,
2: what, what I find interesting about today when you sort of look at the marketplace is we we're talking about the sort of generalist versus specialist. And I think for, for most of my career, I've, I've sort of been in the gray area where yeah. you, you kind of have to hop to where you need to hop and you have to, you have to be able to dance when, when, when you don't know all the answers. And I think because I started in pure consulting for the first 10 years, I kind of was comfortable in gray. Yeah, and whereas today I feel like there's a lot of black or white, right? So, well, I just do ops, or I just do account management, or I'm just in services. I feel like you know, you and I can kind of came from a different breed where we we were expected to do a lot of different things. You want to put me at first, great. You want to put me at third, great. I don't care.
1: Yeah, I'll figure it out. Yeah, like, hey, Jeff, we need you to go. You know, just focus on getting partners onboarded for a year. Like, oh, okay, sounds great. great. Yeah, <laughs> tell me where to where do I stand? Oh, I stand over here. That, that's great. So the challenge that we've talked about, so just so people know, um, uh, Andrew and I both have switched jobs in the last month or two. Um, and uh, we would get together and we would just talk about some of the frustrating things <laughs> that we bump into, sometimes at the same company, um, <laughs> all, in, all in friendly competition um, and I feel like we could spend a really long time talking about that um, while trying to in a l- little bit of a structured way. The one thing I know that I remember we we're <laughs> at breakfast and the look on your face when I said it, it was like, but Andrew, I'd, I'd love to hire you, but I need somebody who's, who's got, who's run, also run a customer support group. So unfortunately I need to go find somebody more. senior. <laughs> so yeah. I know exactly what you're thinking here. Right. And, and, and it's like, well, I'm just going to bring a director on board to run that. Right. Like, but there's this thinking about the specializations and, and like, Oh wait, I don't see you've got, for me it was like, Oh, you've never had customer success. So, so sorry, we can't hire you at a customer success role. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, (laughs) so yeah. And, and also scale. So, you know, you've managed
0: up
2: to 60, but I need you to manage a hundred. And for me it's like, it just, just changes the structure. Yeah. but it doesn't change their approach to the process. Right. So right. to me that that's very short, short sighted for these companies. And I get it. If they're trying to go from a hundred people to all of a sudden you're managing 600, right. Yeah. You know, like rigs, he's managing a huge organization. Great. Yeah. I totally get, you want that scale, but to go from 50 to a hundred, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. Yeah. But I think what I'm finding is a lot of companies, they have their little, their checkbox and, yeah. Oh, okay. You haven't done customer success, Jeff. Oh gosh, that's, but you know, you've done services. Great, but we need more than that. And I've, and I talked to tons of companies in the last two or three months where, yep. you know, it was, it was that. I felt like, you know, I hit nine out of 10 boxes, but I didn't hit that 10th, and therefore I was, I was out of the mix.
1: Yeah. What's your, what's your standard objection to when one of those things come up, right? I'm just curious because I had my own own one that think well, I think I would. Well, I think
2: you said it. So, you know, yep. okay, well, I, I haven't done support other than, you know, managing a small team at Select. Well, you're right. I'd bring in a pretty seasoned director that can scale it, knows how to you know, deploy Zendesk and understands all the bells and whistles are comfortable with a 7x24 model, right. you know, knows people throughout the organization. That's my first hire, and that's what I did at Select. I hired Duke, and Duke was awesome. Oh, he yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. right? So yeah. he's going to take on that support function. And guess what? He was one of one. He scaled it. We brought in a partnership. So he did all that work, and I would work with him on you know, how to make sure you know, both I understood but also how do we get this to the next level. Right, so, it's
1: it's it's you it's, you you hire somebody good, good enough that you can trust them, and then you're there as like air cover, um, right. somebody to talk to, somebody that they can go into the office and vent if they want to. Um, but just in general, like you're an expert here. Like I'm not going to go buy, you know my O'Reilly book on how to run services or support or something like customer success. You bring in the people and you manage them. At least that's the way I look at it. Um,
2: yeah. Oh, oh, for sure. And Jeff, I can tell you the first two or three months before Duke started, it was uncomfortable, right? So I didn't yeah. know a lot of answers. But at the same time, I think we're both smart enough to be able to, you know, pick up stuff and and yep. and ask for help. But you know, it, it did take a little longer to get things deployed. But once you get that person in place, I think it's fine. And, and the same for you with renewals. I think you you bring in a a person that understands the process and understands how to create that structure. I don't think you're the guy, you know, who, who's going to be leading the account management. You know individuals uh, for the long term right until you get that experience
1: right 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 so it, it, you find has that been the most frustrating part especially yes. when you know like <laughs> you know that they're wrong right and, and it's just so it's funny I bumped into a situation where the organization was like 20 right it was like 20 people and, um, and the COO was basically like well in three years we want to be over 100 I'm like great that's that's a very scalable model and they're like but you haven't managed 100 people i'm like that's correct but you're at 20 right now and the guy i think you even told me this the guy the guy that manages 100 to 200 to 500 people he doesn't know how to manage 20 people oh
2: yeah and i and i see it i saw it at a couple of different places right i see it i saw at one um they grew so fast i could tell all the people in there were were over their head but i but i also look back at a situation where you got a guy like Chris Comparado who who joins Toast at 80 people and now he's got whatever, eighteen hundred. Oh, yeah. he, he never led first he was never a CEO. No. Good for mm-hmm. Steve Papa and those guys for giving him a chance. But also, you know, at some point he's way over his skis in terms of his experience. But yeah. but gosh, look at a smart guy who can who can figure things out, he can bring in the right leadership, Emmanuel and others, and all of a sudden, boom, he's got a team, he's gonna be close to two thousand people. Yeah. And you know what? He's still CEO of the company. Good good for them for, for sticking with him.
1: Yeah. And and I think, you know, I can't remember where I, where I heard it, but it was, you know, hire people for the job you think that they can do, right? Like, can this person do that job? And that's what I was basically would say to those things, which is, I can handle this job. Like, you know, they're like, oh, well, you, you've never worked with virtualization. And I'm like, do, do you know how difficult some of the things are? I'm like, oh, also, do you want your SVP or chief success, chief, services officer or whatever you want to call it do you, do you want him you know down in the, the weeds diagnosing a, a system failure because of a memory issue i'm like no so that's right. crazy
2: yeah <laughs> well and i also think jeff as as this world is more from pure services to you know we want to be a SaaS success yeah. it's become very confusing for hiring ceos and coos to understand what it is they need because mm-hmm. it is a relatively new role in the last four or five years and to find people with that experience where they've managed all the, you know, all their check marks is difficult.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that, that that's good. Um, so, on that note, um, you, you don't have to sort of say the company, but where where you're moving to, but describe the sort of role that you're going to, and and what's that, and how that's kind of excite you.
2: Well, you know, another great example. So I interviewed for a lot of the sort of chief customer VP success roles. I had probably five or six in the hopper. A couple uh, that were more under the CRO and others that were direct to the CEO. Yep. Um, but there was an opportunity. Uh, literally, I, I interviewed with with a company called DataRobot, which I'm happy to talk through. And the initial conversation was, um, uh, and again, I, I strongly suggest everyone who's going through this process to leverage their network. So in my case, Sean Smith, who worked for me at Real Decoy, is that Robot? he said, hey, there's a, they're hiring like crazy, I'll throw your resume in. And he popped my resume in into Greenhouse internally, and he put me in like director of ops role. And so I got, my first interview with him was his director of ops thing, which wasn't a good fit, but it got me in the system. Yeah. And so my f- first conversation with this guy, Paul, Paul's like, yeah, not a great fit, but you know we'll put you in the system. And I, I sort of wrote off Data Robot as you know, not, never gonna see them again. And then like four weeks later, three weeks later, the COO called me directly and said, hey, saw your resume, I've got this interesting opportunity. Yep. And so um, just like our experience in, in sort of playing in gray and, and being yep. a generalist, this it actually helped in this case because he he was looking to build a new group that kind of being incubated under, under the COO um, where they're going to go from selling pure platform mm-hmm. to actually building out solutions and use cases. And guess what? You, know, you and I spent the last 13 years, 15 years building out use cases for the Indecas of the world and the Aquas of the world where... They can't sell a platform. And so he wants to build a team from sales through delivery, just like my general manager experience at Real Decoy mm-hmm. to actually um, build out these solutions and sell them to the market. They feel like they can make more money. What an interesting opportunity. And it's no longer just about, you know, post-sale or pre-sale. It is a,
1: a you know full end, full end role. So it's going to be really interesting. That's awesome. No, that, that that's great. And there's there's like all sorts of you know, morals and you know, inspirational messages <laughs> you can post off of that. But it's kind of like you you waited for the right thing. Right. Uh, and, and you also took a chance and said, I'm going to, you know, go in and talk to people and, and show them that, you know, I know my stuff and that I can adapt and and learn things and do things. And, um, and they're a smart organization that recognizes that and weren't just looking to check the box of, you know, the, the, the wreck that they put out there. And, um, it's a great story.
2: And it's absolutely refreshing the fact that you find a guy like the c o o is chris, chris Devane, he's you know totally gets it right totally yeah. gets you have to hire smart people and and that these smart people may do different different roles throughout their their uh, career at, at data robot so you know my lesson I think over the last couple of months was you know after twenty five plus years in the market, you know, really one take the time to find the right opportunity. Mm-hmm. Re- leverage your network and and i i sent the big thank you out yesterday because i felt like you know the network i can't do it you can't do it without your yeah. friends family and your network and, and that's huge and the other thing is i i think we all forget about um we go from job to job or from career to career or we just we're always working and just to take that time to have mm-hmm. a couple of months to spend time with my graduating daughter or whatever it is yeah it, it was a was a huge opportunity from for me and the family to to actually just sort of get grounded again before jumping back in the world. And I think people, we, we forget about that. We forget to take time between jobs and, and really you know sort of kind of get re-energized.
1: <laughs> I'm just laughing because I took like three days. <laughs> so right, sad. you jumped right in. <laughs> but that was because basically it was like, look, we have this pitch it's like a multi-million dollar deal and you would own the relationship if we get it so it would be a good move and i'm like no absolutely like i would i would feel better about knowing more and being part of that meeting um <laughs> than just kind of walking into it and say well, what do we sign up for so uh but yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny though <laughs> yep. I wanted to take the time, um, and then I wound up like taking like a week of, of not doing too much. But then, that's great, especially since you did have a daughter that was going through the graduation and getting ready to go off to college and everything like that. So uh, that's 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 fantastic. So, and how much how much did you do a lot of Ironman training in, in the? In the- I, I did
2: all that stuff. Yeah, it didn't help, but I did all that stuff. You know, actually just. <laughs> And I think, you know, just other stuff that you, your, your honeydew list, right? Your, yep. your checklist that it starts building up. And I th- and, 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 and to some degree, just not, I still got up and went to work, my, do my workout, come back. But yep. um, I just found that, you know, having time to, to, I don't know, just kind of figure out what you want to do next and how to go after it is, is important. Cause I, I like you have just jumped from job to job. And a lot of times I, j- I jumped for. For relationships, in other cases, it was because it was it was mandated, right? Yeah. There were some poor situations, and that's going to happen in, in careers. But take, you know, and I saw this on LinkedIn the other day. It's like the, I actually had the, the first time in my career I had the opportunity of time, and I, I haven't had that in so long. I think yeah. we just forget about it.
1: Hey, can we just get into that a little bit deeper? Because um, it's something I haven't really talked about before, which is, you said take the time to figure it out. Like, is that your classic, like pro con list? Is that like a chart or is that just like handwriting? Like, did you have a process or you just kind of sat and, <laughs> and thought about it a little bit? I'm just as fascinated. No, as
2: well, you know, you know obviously we, we all think about what we want to do next and it's part of the process of jumping into get, looking for another job and, and having the, the resume updated, all that sort of stuff. And, and this was different. And I, I did have my, I'll call it opportunity sort of comparison. Mm-hmm. But what was funny about that is I started getting further down the process with a couple companies and, and you and I intersected in, in, in at least one of them. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I had- You know the, why I'm laughing is
1: because I, I didn't get a job because my brother worked there, which is just- Yeah, it,
2: it's, um, yeah. So, uh, but I, I found myself doing a comparison, but what was interesting and different about this time versus others, um, I had a list of six or seven and I was deep in all of them. I had multiple meetings in each and I felt like they were going well. All of a sudden they would drop off and that found, you know, my list yeah. of six- went to 10 and then dropped to like four. So it was a really interesting process. And I found that if the process is taking longer, it's not, the market's great, but it's more competitive. Like more people have customer success on their resume, whatever it is. Um, they're also, you know, they, they want people to, uh, they want to be able to have enough candidates so the process takes longer. Um, but I wanted to make sure I was jumping into the right situation. So I, I sort of had my own things to, to my own checklist of, okay, do they have the money? Did they have the right leadership? Yep. You know, is there the right product and the right market opportunity? Um, otherwise, you're stepping in the same situation. So, yeah, I had my own sort of checklist, but I also had time where I could just read a book, which I haven't done in a while. You know? Yeah, that's
1: amazing. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I sent you a suggestion. I absolutely uh, thank you. I, you know, uh, David Goggins is, uh, can't hurt me or something like that. I I did the audio book on that, which I suggest for everybody just to see uh, if they can push themselves a little bit more. You did touch on one thing I just wanted to add a couple of points to, which is the um <clears throat> researching the company and it is much about um you interviewing the company as much as them interviewing you and don't be afraid, especially if you're talking to startups um ask about you know when, when would, when do they run out of money, right? When's your splat rate? When, you know, is that going to happen? How's how, what's your relationship with your investors and all of those things? Because I have joined companies that ran out of cash, like in two months, because I didn't ask what their, what their stability aspects were. And also poke around, take a look at the, um, the company, you know, the executive team, look at the other places where they've worked and do your research on them. And then look at the investors. Um, I, I think that's big. Uh, I don't know if you took a look at your investors, David robot. I know they're, they're very good, but, um, but, all that's a big picture, and it's what drives that company, and it's what their DNA is. And I have I have not taken interviews just because I looked on Glassdoor and then I looked at you know the profiles of people, and I'm just basically like, no, this is this would not be a good match.
2: Well, and and Jeff, to that point, you know, I, I interviewed two different Vista Equity companies, and in each case, I had to take multiple tests. Um, the last one, I literally took three tests. One was a time test, and Um, I, you know, it, it's a very different leadership style for Vista than, than other organizations. And and they're actually quite, I'll use the word intrusive in terms of being Mm -hmm. on the board. They, what, how they lead is, is very much, um, hands-on. And so that you have to be aware of that walking in as a, as a leader in an organization.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. And that, no, I I had a friend who's, uh, you know, general counsel at some very successful companies and she went to go, uh, you know, it's kind of like, oh, you know, Maybe that's not quite the scale of the company I want to go to, but they're doing a good thing. So she went into this company with a um, sort of a purpose-built, you know, mission type of uh, attitude about it. Like, I'd like to go help this company because they're doing good things. And they gave her one of those tests that they give every, you know, kid out of college and things like that. And it was, you know, and, and, you know, after 15, 20 years, some of those tests are hard for us if we're not used to taking those types of things. And, and it immediately, you know, soured her opinion of the company and you know, they, well, we judge every employee and they all have to go through these things. And it's like, bring some common sense into your hiring practices every once in a while. Right. It's yeah, just not um, a great point. Yeah. So, um, so that's great. And, and I'm glad you're, did you feel like you're also taking on stuff that you've not done before? So this is a, a learning experience for you as well.
2: Yeah. So, you know, Big part of this role is to also oversee a lot of the customer-facing data scientists. So oh, typically, wow. that falls under an engineering function, and that's that. At least at Select, it was under the head of engineering. Mm-hmm. Though we interface directly a lot. That's mm-hmm. a that's a different skill set, right? So um, you're going to have sales folks who are driven by numbers. You're going to have po- delivery folks that are driven by success of delivery and making sure customers um, are are happy, and successful. But the data scientists are, are a different breed. So I think that's going to be a little different. Um, you know, and in, in, uh, in my mind, that's what's going to require a couple of different personality types from my own and on the leadership style to make sure they're supported as well.
1: Yeah. Hey, speaking of the leadership stuff, um, I did want to just touch on a couple of things, which I, I do in a lot of these conversations with people just to see what their, their philosophy on it is as well. Um, you know, I, I'm a big believer of hierarchical organizations. Um, so a couple of like quick bullet questions, like it, as a manager, what is the upper limit of direct reports that you should have?
2: I, as soon as I start getting close to 10, I'm worried. So I, would love yeah, to say
1: that, yeah. you know, seven to eight is seven, is, seven's like when you need to start opening recs, right? <laughs>
0: so.
2: Yeah. Cause it, it becomes, you know, and especially if you're doing weekly one-on-ones and, and over side meetings, it becomes a lot. And so when I, I think at select I had at one point it was like 12 or 13 until we could bring in some leadership, you know, sort of structure too much. Um, you need to, you need to be less than 10 in my opinion.
1: Right. If you're doing even half hour one-on-ones and you've got 10 people, right. There goes, you know, a quarter of your week. Um, those usually go longer than that. Then you've got the random drop-ins where it's like, Hey, can I just ask you a quick question or can I just come in and bitch about something, which is what you need to do as a manager is provide the support on that. Um, and then there's, you know, the other question is and this really, I I see this in, I see it more of a problem in development managers more than like project managers and things like that. How do you, where do you draw the line or what's your philosophy on the, I'm a great developer. Now I want to manage people. Um, because we Uh. see that (laughs) happen a lot and sometimes it's a terrible move.
2: Uh, that's such a hard one. I had, um, you know, the, the big decision I had to make and i didn't i didn't actually get to finish it at select was okay i've got some really good engagement managers um and a couple of them have thrown their hat in the ring to lead the engagement managers yeah. so do you, do you take one existing and promote which i always believe in like you want to you want to get people to keep moving through an organization if it means they lead your your team um or hire from the outside with someone with the experience of leading this more seasoned group um you know and a couple of folks that threw their name in the in the ring I, they weren't quite ready. So it would have been difficult conversations because I didn't think taking someone who who's just done the function without leading the function. Plus the, the more, it's a more difficult scenario when you're taking uh, someone who's got peers and all of a sudden they're, they're, their their boss. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I was debating about whether to go external or not because of that reason. You know, I think we do that in sales as well. Folks hit their quota two years in a row and all of a sudden we throw them in a management sales position. Manager role, yeah. <laughs> and it's just not, it's not necessarily the right answer. People have to be, they have to be, um, you know, the leading is hard, right? And and managing is hard. And, and it requires, you know, and there's some people point blank say, I don't like to deal with the bullshit. Well, then that's probably not a good role for you.
1: Right, right. And you know what I've never seen work well either, now that you've said that is that whole thing of like, oh, well, I'm, I'm gonna be on a team with them. And um i'm going to manage them and kind of judge them but i'm not going to do the review and i'm like well you know you can stick your ankle in the water right like it's i don't like dealing with the bullshit i don't want to deal with reviews i don't want to have hard conversations when somebody's being a jerk and uh and i'm i'm like well then you're not a leader right That's you're right. right so um so that's great. I I, we, I know we're bumping up against the hour, and um, I want to make sure we touch on a personal stuff that you wanted to cover, um, just for people to know. Uh, Andrew's uh, a big Ironman. I've always done that. When did you start doing the Ironman stuff?
2: Uh, so I did think I, I did my first my first smaller ones back in oh four oh five. So yeah. I was I was right before Endeka, and then I really started getting into it at Endeka. And you know, I, I think my first Ironman was two thousand twelve um i did another one in 17 and and those that's it for me i, I okay for the the half so i've been doing like kind of a couple half ironman in the years probably since uh 2006 so yeah, yeah. it's been a, been fun for and me, you're always raising for strategies. charity as
1: well too right like uh, i did for the big one so for okay. the
2: marathon and for the ironman i did i felt like uh, if i'm going to commit to that level then i i need to i need to commit to to raising money you know the one time i didn't um I, I trained for Ironman Maryland. I, it was pure selfish. And I end up, well, I end up walking away from, from the race because it was, it was too dangerous with flooding conditions, et cetera. Yep. But I don't think I would have walked away if I had raised money.
1: Oh, that's an interesting point. Like, you know, you see the people who drop dead when they're running for a cause like my mom died of cancer. I'm going to run for the Jimmy finders and stuff like that, where they just keep pushing and they keep pushing because they're doing it for something. Um, I walked away from a Spartan 10 mile cause I would have, I would have, yeah, it would not have been a good situation. <laughs> like it was like 110 degrees that day. Yeah, No, you do it yeah. for safety reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's great. Anything else that you wanted to sort of cover or talk about while, while we're on or
2: no, I think this has been this has been great, Jeff. Thank you for for the opportunity.
1: Yeah, no, I'd love to catch up in you know six months to twelve, and well, we'll talk, of course, but just to see sort of how the perspectives have gone, um, what sort of challenges and new types of challenges you've bumped into, and you know who who you use as mentorship and, and in the new role and things like that. That would be great. That's awesome. Look forward to it. Good luck with the rest of your series. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, you have a good rest of the day and get, get your rest before you start the new job. <laughs> get and, my naps
2: in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> naps are very critical. Uh, uh, especially
2: if we are doing all the workouts you're doing, Jeff. Come on. Get a oh, nap. Cool.
1: You too. You too. Uh, you know what? You know, Working from home, I will say it is nice to be able to squeeze in, set the alarm for 15 minutes, close your eyes, and uh, and then wake up and meditate. <laughs> definitely meditate at the beginning of the day um you know i think that's helped a lot since you've known me over the years uh, uh, calm it down a little bit um, but uh, but awesome. you know you, you do what you need to do um in the world that we're living in today andrew right so uh, with that i will i will sign off and thanks so much and uh, look forward to uh, chatting soon thank you jeff talk to Take you later.